You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of RedLegNation.com. What's the What's the reason there? Injuries? You know, I I, I tend to believe every team has injuries. Good Lord, look at the, the injuries the Cardinals have had. Uh, now you know their system is so loaded that they you know they, they're the old we don't we don't uh, rebuild we reload, uh, and we don't have that kind of depth in our in our minor league system. Um, there's a lot of reasons. I think injuries have a point to it. I mean, we lost two big arms out of our bullpen. We lost our number one starter. But everybody has injuries. You have to overcome them. Uh, the fundamental mistakes are the things that bother me more than the injuries, the base running and the you know and the lack of focus. The other thing that, that doesn't get talked about much, and, and, and I've heard them talk about it a little bit on the TV broadcasts, is this team's lack of emotion. And I'm not saying, and I don't know whether that wins you games or lose you games, but this team's lack of emotion on the field bothers me a lot. It, it, nothing other than Joey Votto and, to a lesser extent, Matt Latos, you don't ever see anybody seem to be upset by the fact when they when something goes wrong, and that 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 bothers me. And, and like I said, that may be just a, a fan looking watching. It may not have anything to do with how games are won and lost. But I think emotion is a motivator, and, and, and this team seems to lack motivation to me. And that's an outsider's view. And I'm not saying it's true or anything. I'm just making an observation from from the the, the you know the Bob Euchre seats up here. Well, I don't know uh, how much that uh, goes into them winning or losing. It's, I agree that it looks like from uh, from the cheap seats that they're not playing with much emotion. On the other hand, if they were in first place right now, we'd probably uh, talk about how uh, efficient and professional they were and yep. they've you know, grown up as an organization. That's and, a good point. Uh, yeah, so I, I, that may just be a matter of perspective. Could, could be. Um, but that does sort of go into what I said uh, at Red Lake Nation. And I've said a couple times, which is that this team should be more fun to watch. Um, they're just, the, I don't know, from a fan's perspective, the personalities and they're, you know, constant criticism and just everything surrounds this team. Uh, maybe they show a little more emotion, they'd be more fun to watch because they really are not. Uh, I should enjoy watching a Reds team that's 15 games over 500 more than I'm enjoying this team. Um, uh, maybe they'll maybe they'll get hot in the playoffs and win the World Series and all will be forgiven. But uh, it's it's like a grind following this team, and that blows my mind that I could say that after all the bad years we've seen. Yeah, and you and I have suffered through a lot of those bad years together. And, and, and but you know, my my question, you know, we, everybody says this team has no chance of winning the World Series. There's absolutely no, you know. But you know, at this point last year, do you think anybody gave the San Francisco Giants a chance of winning the World Series? My guess is no. Uh, and if you and if you look at, at compare those two teams, good pitching, reasonably good defense, and a few good hitters, I think there's comparisons that can be made between that team last the, the Giants that won the World Series last year and this Reds team. Oh, absolutely. I mean, once you get in the playoffs, you just got to get hot. You got to get hot at the right time. And there's no question in my mind that the Reds could get hot at the right time and uh, and make a run. And so I guess if you're in the, in the game, uh, you got a chance to win it. Uh, they're going to be in the playoffs. It may just be for one game. It may be for uh, more than that. So uh, that's what I, 
we talk about how frustrating they are and how the expectations have caused us to think this is a bad season. I've constantly tried to remind myself that this is a team that's still probably going to make the playoffs. And once they get in the playoffs, there could be some exciting things ahead. Uh, let's not just completely give up on them, on them yet, even if they're uh, tough to watch most nights. Yeah. Uh, and if they make the playoffs, I mean, you're, you're probably looking at either having to play the Pirates or the Cardinals, which which brings us back to you know the Cardinals. Every everything when they talk about the Reds ends up talking, you know, coming back to the Cardinals. And and why can't we beat them? Are are they that much better than the Reds? No, no. And I think if you look at it uh, top to bottom, certainly I looked at their rosters before the season, and I thought the Reds' pitching was better. I thought the Reds' hitting was going to be better. Um, they've got uh, Holiday and Beltron are great. Um, Matt Carpenter and Alan Craig have just gone beyond expectations. Their pitching's gone on beyond expectations this year. Um, but I don't think top to bottom they're any better team than the Reds have, and I can't explain it. Uh, I uh, I want to say that it's in the Reds' head and it's all mental, and uh, but there's no question that the Reds have struggled against the Cardinals. Uh, I don't think the Reds have won back-to-back games at St. Louis since 06, I think I saw. I mean, that's that's crazy. Um, do you think the Cardinals are better? No, I, I don't. I, I, think, I think the Reds go into these games hoping to win, not believing they'll win. And, and again, you know, you know, this is me sitting up in the Bob Euchre seats, making a, you know, making a call on something I have absolutely no, no basis on. It's just a gut feeling of, of watching baseball since the '60s. But they just don't seem to go out there like they expect to win against the Cardinals. Uh, and it seems like when the, you know, the first thing goes against them, then it's a cascade effect. And, and, and the, you know, like the other night, they had a 4-0 lead, and the next thing you know, boom, you know. Next thing you know, you got your best player. I don't know how many outs there are in an inning. I don't understand how those kinds of things can happen. And maybe it's you're trying so hard, you know, you're so tight and, and you're so focused that you lose track of everything. You know, you're so laser focused that you can't see the what's what all's going on. I don't have any idea. I mean, that's sports psychology. Whether you believe in that or not, I don't know. I don't know whether it's a true thing or not. But this team does seem to me to have some type of mental block when it comes to the Cardinals. Well, you touched on sports psychology and, and talking about the Reds' uh, <clears throat> excuse me, mental perspective against the Cardinals. I, I think we can flip that around as well and uh, talk about the Cardinals' approach. You know, uh, I like to stick to things that are uh, can be measured. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of the sports psychology stuff, I agree that uh, that field is, uh, well, it's it. It's like a Ouija board. Well, it is, and I'm not, quali- I'm not qualified to, uh, to either cast aspersions or or anything. But when I know for, I, I started to say for a fact, and I, I don't know for a fact, but I'm I'm a big uh, I've been around a lot of basketball teams in the past, and yeah, because you look like a basketball player. Well, uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. I know. Uh, I'm glad this is not a video podcast. Uh, I've been around a lot of basketball teams, and there's no question that there is a, I guess there's a phrase that goes around that sometimes a team wins close games because of the name on the front of their shirt 
rather than the name on the back of their shirt. Uh, a kid goes to Duke, he expects to win. A kid, oh gosh, can't believe I said that. A kid goes to, uh, you know, Carolina or, um, you know, maybe in, in, in football, in, in Ohio State or in Alabama. When a game gets close and it gets to a, a tense situation between two teams, some teams that have done, just done it year after year, they expect to win those games. And uh, it, it's a little, uh, mentally it's a boost. And, and a team that's facing them thinks, this team always wins, even not uh, consciously. I wonder if the fact that the Cardinals have been won so many big games over the years, won a couple World Series this de- uh, in the last decade, have been in the mix every year except for maybe one or two since uh, the year 2000. Uh, I wonder if, uh, you know, talk about the Reds' middle block, whether the Cardinals have that going in their, in their favor that, hey, we're the Cardinals. We expect to win these games. Um, you know, I don't know if it's true or not, and it's, it can't be measured, and I'm getting way outside my field of expertise, but that's sure what it looks like from my perspective. Yep, I, I agree. Uh, and, and, and I don't know how you change that. And you need somebody a lot smarter than I am to, to figure the answer to that question out. But the, somehow, if they're going to become a dominant team in this division for the next several years. Now, I mean, you can argue because they've won the division two of the last three years that they, they are the dom- a dominant team in this division. But to, to put this this mumbulu that the Cardinals have on them out the past year, they're going to have to find some way to, to defeat whatever this mental... And, and we don't know that it's mental, but we're, we're you know, making an assumption. But somehow they've got to put this behind them, and I don't know how they do that other than going into St. Louis or you know sweeping them here and going into St. Louis and winning two out of three, three out of four, something like that. Um, they could get a big head start on that early next week. Oh, yeah, we're making all kinds of assumptions here. Yeah. Right? Let, let, we, we'll concede that. but um, we'll, we'll concede that we don't know what the hell we're talking about. I think we should probably start every <laughs> podcast with a disclaimer that we don't know what we're talking yeah. about. Uh, yeah, you're welcome to listen, but we don't know what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> But you know, the Reds, though the Reds have won the division two of the last three years, they've never had that. Uh, they've never handled the Cardinals, I no. guess, uh, and and they've never had that time where they walked into St. Louis and sort of announced, "This is our division now." By you know, uh, tearing them apart. If basically. one team has a swagger, it's not the Cincinnati Reds; it's the St. Louis Cardinals. And you have to earn that. And the Reds, uh, you know, if they'd have gone into St. Louis earlier this week. Taken, uh, swept the series or taken two out of three and really looked good, I think they could, you know, it starts that would start to turn around maybe. They've never really been able to do that at a time when they had to have, um, had to have those games. They just, they've never really taken that step. I, I think back to 2010 when the Reds had that big flap with uh, Brandon Phillips and Yadier Molina and the big fight and everything. Am I, am I remembering incorrectly that the Reds got swept in that series? I don't remember. I was on vacation. I was in Hilton Head. But I, I remember watching a brawl in a bar in Hilton Head. Um, well, I was on, I was on vacation uh, as well, actually, at that time. Um, but uh, then the Reds went on to, as a matter of fact, I don't know if they got swept or they lost two out of three, but they didn't play well that series. Yeah. And, and, and that was a key series that they could have, you know, because Brandon Phillips making this statement about the Cardinals, and that was when the Reds were making their statement. This is our division now. We're, you know, we're coming of age here. And they looked awful against the Cardinals, and then went on to play very well the rest of the season and win the division. But they didn't—they didn't get that monkey off their back. Right. And again, this is all sort of psycho babble, and, and uh, maybe it's meaningless. But man, it sure seems to fit the narrative. Yeah, it, it really does. And, and 
And as a fan, it's hard to live with. <laughs> the Cardinals, of all teams, uh, and, and their, their fan base. Oh, gosh. Yep. Um, let's quit talking about the Cardinals. Okay. Um, let's talk about – let me ask you this real quick. Uh, did you see the news that uh, – because you mentioned the Big Red Machine earlier, and we all we love talking about the Big Red Machine. Did you see that the, the so-called grade eight are all going to be on the field together here in Cincinnati? You know what's even cooler? It's a Dodger series. Oh, perfect. I didn't, I didn't pick up on that. That, that, is, that is perfect. All, all we need is, is, is Joe Morgan and Davey Concepcion fighting it out at second base with Davey Lopes and, and Davey Johnson, and, and it'll take me right back to the 70s. Oh, it's going to be perfect. So that's, that's, uh, that'll be a, a neat moment uh, in Cincinnati. So that'd be, They've not had the whole eight together, even though I think the, those eight only started like 80 games together total. Throughout the Big Red Machine years, in the, uh, as, I know that in, I know in, in Greg Rhodes's book, the in '76, I think they started 36 games together or something. You know, I forget. Now, of course, they started every one of the playoff games, and right. you know, and their record in the, in the in the playoffs in the World Series in '75 and '76 is pretty good. Um, I, I'm really happy that the baseball is letting Pete. Be on the field. I know a lot of our fan, our, our our listeners, and our guys on our blog aren't Pete Rose fans. Uh, I'm a Pete Rose fan. I, I'm not saying he didn't do things wrong, didn't make bad judgments, and yada yada yada. But man, I'll tell you what. Growing up as a Cincinnati kid, I loved playing, watching Pete Rose play. I mean, he wasn't, a, and I'm I'm glad he's going to be there. I agree. I agree. And and you know, my perspective on Pete is changed somewhat over the years growing up uh, you know i i love the guy when he came back to cincinnati and uh the chase obviously for the the hit record uh, that's among the, the the best memories of my childhood really was following that i just uh pizza a, a giant uh, i think that and he did what he did and obviously we're uh i i'm not one to come out and defend pete rose too much lately because i've just gotten tired of the whole thing it's not that i don't want pete to be uh reinstated or uh, but he just—he'll he, say something dumb every time you think he's starting to get a little bit of sympathy from everyone, and I just—I—I I, I tire of the whole conversation. Um, but I agree, it's a great thing for the fans um, to have him be on the field. And, and I actually tweeted last night, uh, sort of a bold prediction, I called it. And it's just me again. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I predicted that um, after I saw the news that he was going to be on the on the field for this uh, Grade Eight thing. Uh, I can see a situation where Bud Selig agrees to give him uh, to reinstate Pete, or at least some kind of a conditional reinstatement, um, just prior to the All Star Game coming to Cincinnati in 2015. Because you talk about a, a huge story that would get baseball back on the uh, or keep baseball on the front pages for a little while, and and really engender some uh, positive feelings towards uh, towards Bud and towards uh, Major League Baseball. Um, maybe I'm just Making things up, that'd be that'd be a crazy moment. Uh, there's been some supposition about about if not reinstatement, at least allowing him to be more involved when they bring the All Star Game back to Cincinnati. And and I don't want to turn this into the Pete Rose show. The one thing I will say is for people that haven't really studied Pete Rose's numbers, and you think of him as the captain of the Big Red Machine, leadoff hitter of the Big Red Machine, blah 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 blah. Take a look at his numbers from 1968. In 1969, before the Big Red Machine, when he won his first two batting titles, and see what kind of hitter he was. 
That's all I'll say. I'm looking him up right now. <laughs> You've got me interested. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and, I, and I think it'll be exciting for Joe Morgan and the unveiling of the statue and all that stuff. It's, it's going to be a great weekend series. The only thing that aggravates me is I had tickets for Sunday, and they moved it to one of them national night games, and when you get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, it's kind of tough to be downtown at eight for an 8 o'clock start. So we're uh, selling our tickets for that Sunday game. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah, the, that's, that's the problem with having that Sunday. And, and I think I've told you this. I told you what package we bought for this season, didn't I? I don't, I don't know if you told me or not. Uh, we bought the Baker's Dozen package. Oh, that's appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> we have the Sunday package. And that's the only problem with having that Sunday package is this is the second time they've moved one of our games into a Sunday night game, and it's tough for our schedule. But anyway... Well, let me ask you uh, quickly. You ordered the Baker's Dozen package. Now, when they sent them to you, were they all in the wrong order in the in the envelope? They yeah, they were. You? They had the, the worst games in the two spot. Yeah, that was really – I thought that might be the case. Oh, goodness. Um, Moving on. Let's let's move on. Um, you know, the Reds let's, are, are probably going to be in that one-game playoff. Do, do we root for the Pirates uh, to sort of blow it and, and let the Cardinals win the division so we can play Pittsburgh in the wild card game? I don't know. I, I was watching the Cardinals and the, and the Pirates last night, and uh, I can't root for anybody. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I readily admit that I like the Pirates team better than I like the Cardinals as a team. Um, I'll tell you what, I like Hurdle as a manager. He manages games like they mean something. Uh, I, I really like him as a manager. I, I, when we played the Pirates here earlier this year, and I was at a game down there, and the Reds ended up winning the game I was at, and I was talking to a Pirates fan as we were walking out of the ballpark. And I said to him, I said, you know, I think our team has more talent than your team. I said, but it sure looks like your team plays harder than ours does. And I like teams that play hard. And, and they, the Pirates, to me, look like a team that plays hard. Now, then maybe they're a team of destiny or whatever. But uh, if I had to root for one team over the other, I'd root for the Pirates. Well, and I, of course, as, as Reds fans who were, our team was sort of wandering in the wilderness for a, a few years, you got to feel good for Pirates fans as well, get a chance yep. to experience what we experienced back yep. in 2010. And worse. Uh, worse, much worse, absolutely, yes. <laughs> uh, with respect to Hurdle, I think that uh, I can't really uh, talk about his uh, – strategic uh, decisions, but I agree that when, he, when we played against uh, the Pirates, he has managed with much more of an urgency than, uh, than Dusty Baker. Somebody mentioned the game three last night that Dusty manages, uh, always manages for tomorrow's game, and tomorrow he'll manage for the next day's game. Uh, he's always you know, saving a reliever for some t- other time or uh, resting someone so he'll be ready later in the year. And, and there's some merit to some of that, uh, certainly. His players, uh, well... There's, there's some merit to that but perspective, but when the big games come around and, and you're looking for a, a team to be really playing with a sense of urgency and looking for Dusty to manage with a sense of urgency, you don't see that. Well, we now, found that we, out in the playoffs last year. We found that out in the playoffs, absolutely. Um, and, and, again, we've got to get off Dusty Baker here. Um, there's just so much. It's just a wealth of material for us to discuss. We could uh, do an hour on Dusty Baker. We, we could, and, and nobody would want to listen to it. But, no. um, you know, Dusty's... Virtues as a manager, as I've said over and over, are seen for the long haul. He's, uh, you know, I think he does a, from what I've seen, he does a pretty good job in the clubhouse keeping everybody. Although that's come into question in the last week, but uh, I think his, his, whatever his 
strengths as a manager are you don't see them on the field. I agree. You see them over the long haul. And he's had a lot of teams that made the playoffs. He's had a lot of teams that have been competitive over the years. But he's never won a World Series because his weaknesses as a manager, the lineups and the uh, game day crazy, decisions, the game day decisions, the crazy uh, use of his bullpen, those things are magnified in a short series. Whereas over the long haul, you know, the lineup, it's going to maybe cost us a couple runs over the course of a year, and what's the big deal? Uh, but in a short series, and especially when we're talking about a one-game playoff, uh, that those sort of things are seriously magnified, and that's why I don't have a whole lot of confidence in the Reds' ability in the playoffs after watching his performance last year in this division series against the Giants. I basically, I'm not going to get my hopes up for a Dusty Baker-led team in the, in the playoffs. I'll hope for the best. But when you talk about matchups, to shift it back to where we were, we were going, I'd rather play the Pirates, not just because I think that the, the Pirates are the worst of the three teams when you look at their rosters, but because I'm not scared of uh, Francisco Liriano or A.J. Burnett or uh, you know, Jeff Locke, although he's uh, fallen off a cliff in the second half. I am, I guess, Adam Wainwright, although the Reds have had some success against him, is an elite pitcher. Yep. In a one-game situation, I'd rather not have to face him. Yep. So... Um, but but again, no matter who you face. Well, and and that and also, and I'll readily admit that that swagger mental thing comes into it to me too. I'd rather play the Pirates than the Cardinals, just because I have more confidence that, and not even looking at personnel, that this team could beat them. Right, and, and maybe you hope that the Pirates come into it, and uh, like the Reds did in 2010, when the bright lights start shining in October, the Reds look like uh, a deer caught in the headlights. I yep. guess. Yeah. Uh, in 2010, and you hope that the Pirates, having never been there before, might. Uh, Maybe the Reds will have a, a little bit of an advantage. I don't know. Again, we're getting back into sports psychology, which is not our area of expertise. Um, but if they get in, they got a chance. They can just get past that one-game playoff. You know, They're probably going to be playing the Braves if things hold up. Uh, and they may not hold up because the Braves have been hit by injuries so badly. That may not be a terrible matchup for them if that's uh, – I'd rather play the Braves than the Dodgers. Well, sure. And the Dodgers may end up uh, – I have actually I probably need to look at the standings now. Last time I looked, it was looking like it would be the, the Braves. It may be the Dodgers at this point. But even though, even though, I mean, the Reds played the Dodgers really tough out there, you know, when they played them in L.A. So, I mean, yeah, who knows? And the Dodgers were in the middle of their, I mean, they're still in the middle of this big hot streak, really. Uh, so, yeah. I, yeah, this uh, hot streak is big red machine-like. It, it really is. Oh, it really is. Um, and, and it's funny that we say that about the team that, as we acknowledged a moment ago, was, it's hard to imagine it for fans today to understand what a rival the Dodgers were. How, how does, how's L.A. a rival of Cincinnati? But in the, in the, in the 70s, when they were both in the National League West, they were, and, then, and the two best teams in the National League. Yep. And there was um, no love lost. No love lost at all. So <laughs> um, so who knows? Maybe uh, the year that the great eight get back together, maybe we'll face the Dodgers again. I'm not too excited about that because, again, the Dodgers, they've got the guy that I think is the best pitcher in the world, uh, Clayton Kershaw, um, and uh, got a pretty good little lineup. Uh, yeah. So, um, but if we can just get by that one-game playoff, the other Reds can match up with anyone. Well, I mean, we talked about pitching earlier, and I, and I just came across something here. Is, you know, we talked about how great the pitching's been all year, and the Reds are on pace this year to have two pitchers that, that strike out 200 batters, and they've never had that before in the history of this franchise, which goes back a couple of days. Reds have had nine pitchers with 200 strikeout seasons. How many of them can you name, Chad? I'm going to put you on the spot here. Nine pitchers with 200 strikeout seasons. Yep. Ever. Ever. Jim Maloney. There's one. 
Aaron Harang. There's one. That's two. Well, there's another one. <laughs> um, and, I, and I'm not even going to expect you to get the hard ones. There's there's two hard Soto. Soto, yeah. Jimmy Haynes? No. Oh, well, uh, that surprises me. Let's see here. So we don't burn a lot of time here. I'll give you the easy one, the, the really hard ones. Tony Mullane. Yeah. Noodles Hom. Derringer. Walters, either of those? Nope. Vandermeer. Vandermeer. Um, How about the hero of the 1990 World Series? Oh, Rijo. Jose Rijo. Yeah. How about Tom Terrific? Really? Tommy Seaver. Yeah, I didn't, that didn't occur to me. A big red machine pitcher. Golan or... Uh, Gary or Nolan. Nolan. Nolan, yeah. Nolan was a... Back when he was a young fireballer, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the, another guy just got signed by... this. The, the last one just got signed by the Dodgers yesterday. Edison Volquez. Edison Volquez. There's your nine. What about that? Anyway. That's, no, that's interesting. Uh, that's, that's our trivia moment for the that's podcast. That's our trivia moment for today. I'm going to expect you to come up with one of those for each of the, po- uh, the podcast. All right. Uh, we probably don't start thinking about wrapping this up here. Yeah, because we're, we're, we're running into you know, an hour and 15 minutes here, which we may end up having to break this into a couple. Yeah, no one wants to listen to us for too long. Good um, Lord, no. So let, let's <laughs> talk about September call-ups. Let's do that. The, uh, the Reds announced the September call-ups. Uh, they called up Zach Duke yesterday from Louisville. Uh, and, he, and he pitched yesterday. He pitched fairly well. Apparently, he didn't give up any runs. Um, and, and he'd done a very good job in Louisville um, since, since signing with the, with the, the Reds organization. Uh, the Red, the DFA, Justin Freeman, a, a fairly young guy, but he'd been out hurt all year. I really don't know why he was on the 40. Well, he did come up for one game, so that's why he was on the 40. But then he's been on the injured, he's been on the injured list in Louisville for most of the year, and they DFA'd him. Um, Sunday, they're bringing up uh, Henry Rodriguez and Robinson and Parch. They're bringing them back. And Monday they're bringing uh, Corky Miller back and Nephi Soto and the, the the anointed one, Billy Hamilton, will be added to the forty man roster and um, put on the Reds active duty after roster. And I'm assuming, and I don't know this for a fact, I'm assuming Hamilton was would have to have been added to the forty man after this season anyway. So they're probably only moving the the clock up a little bit. Yeah, by a month. Um, the, the, and, and the way I and the way I'm reading this, there's only one. And Hamilton's the only one that has to be added to the 40 man. I think that's correct. I'm looking at the 40 man roster now. I believe he's the only one that they'll have to make a move. And I think you know, and you and I talked a little bit about this off air. I think there there space. There's there's to me there's one there's two obvious places that you could make room on the 40. Um, one of them though they're bringing up for the 25, and that's Corky Miller, and and just makes me crazy. I, 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 I'm assuming they just want to have a third catcher for September or a guy to carry the beer cooler or something. Um, facial grooming. Uh, yeah, maybe he's, yeah, maybe he's going to work with liqueur on his mustache. I don't right, know. Yeah. Uh, but the other guy to me, Kyle Lotzgar is the guy that, that you take off, that you run through waivers off the 40. He was the number one draft pick, I don't know, 2007 or 2006 or something. He said, Arm problems and forever. He was in Pensacola for a while this year and got bumped back to Bakersfield and put in the bullpen and been ineffective there. And, and I understand they got a lot of money invested in him, but um, 
he's the guy that's the obvious guy to me that you move off of the 40. Yeah, yeah, there are two or three guys that you could look at and, and probably make the case for. There, there's some space. It'll be interesting to see what they do, but uh, how excited is Cincinnati going to be to uh, for the arrival of Billy Hamilton? Probably more than they should be because, I mean, we're in a pennant race, and I don't think he's going to play very much. Uh, he'll, he'll probably get some pinch running time in. My guess is Baker will get him a start or two in center field, maybe against a left-hander. I don't know. Uh, you know, we talk about before we get off of the forty-man roster. I want to do. I want to give a little thing. I, I, I've said all season that I didn't understand why a guy in low A was on the forty-man roster, and I really don't understand why he is unless he has to be. But Ismail, Gil, I think it's Gillian mm-hmm. uh, in Dayton. His last two starts. He's thrown 12 innings, 12 shutout innings, and gave up one hit. Walked four and struck out 12. Um, so maybe the Reds do know what they're doing by putting that kid on the 40 so he doesn't get away. Well, they've seen him more than we have. So, uh, <laughs> he, I, I mean, and, and if you look at, and I, I talked about this in, in Down on the Farm a couple of weeks ago when he pitched on a Sunday, that, that or one of the days that I covered Down on the Farm. This, the years where he's had any kind of control, he's been very effective. Um, but his control seems to go year in, year out. You know, uh, in one year and out the next. But anyway, I just wanted to, to talk about him for just a second before we while we were talking about the forty. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, he's one of the names that jumped out to me. Is uh, well, there there's several names on there that I yeah are su- surprising names to be on the forty man. I guess yeah. Um, I got a couple of predictions about Billy Hamilton before we uh, go off the air here, so to speak. Number one, I think they're gonna. I don't know whether they're gonna bring. Uh, a cheetah, I guess probably a cheetah to race him before the game. And then uh, I'm looking forward to game two of the World Series when uh, he gets to, gets to, gets to start and, and finds his way on base. And then Ryan Hannigan hits his uh, uh, double over the third baseman's head or bounce over the third baseman's head to win the game in extra innings. You're gonna do, he's going to uh, do his Billy Bates impression. Yeah. Is that what we're doing? Yes. And, and, <laughs> and, and Hannigan will play the role of Joe Oliver and – and I don't know who's going to play the role of Tom Browning, who's at the hospital with his uh, with his, uh, <laughs> with his wife, wife in labor. Um, maybe uh, I don't know. I don't know who it'll be, but uh, he's uh, sort of reminiscent of Billy Bates, who was a speedster, more talented, obviously, I guess, than Billy Bates. But uh, I'm trying to make all the comparisons I can to that 1990 team. I want to see a run of the playoffs like that, even if I, my hopes aren't too high. Uh, I'm. Uh, it, it, it that'd be a lot of fun. Yep. Anything else we need to discuss, Bill? No, I, I, I just three. Just let's all you know, take a deep breath and realize we're only three and a half games out. Only three and a half games out. Could have been two and, with, and a half out if they hadn't. But we're three and a half out. We're three and a half out with a month to go. Um, so there's still there's still some time. We got two teams. We got to beat instead of one. But uh, but we're playing both of them. And we're playing both of them, and, and hey, the Reds are right in the mix. And how many years did we dream of having a team that was in the mix in September? So yep. let's tr- try to enjoy it. Yep, as frustrating as it is, and believe me, for those of us that, that follow every, you know, and, and if you're listening to this, you were listening, you know, you, you live and die with them, or else you wouldn't be listening to this. But uh, like you said, let's try to enjoy the ride. It's some days are easier than others. Um, I. I I just think that this team, I think we would be happy with a team 15 games over 500. 
I mean, would we be unhappy with the team that's 15 games over 500 if they were in front by three and a half games? They'd be the same team. That that's it's, it's all a matter of perspective, isn't it? <laughs> so all all in uh, all in all, though, I prefer the team that's three and a half ahead. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, let's make that happen, Cincinnati. Yeah, you, Reds. Yeah, you can start on that this, uh, this evening in uh, in Colorado. There we go. All right. Well, Bill, uh, had a good time uh, talking to you today. Let's not uh, take so much time before we do this again. How about it? Sounds good to me, man. All right. Um, well, again, this is uh, Chad Dotson with Bill Lack here. You can follow us at, uh, at redlegnation.com every day. You can uh, follow us on Twitter. Um, I'm uh, dot, at Dotson C, D O T S O N C. Bill, you're at Bill Redleg N. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's what it is. Uh, Redleg Nation is at Redleg Nation. Um, and, uh, you know, follow us, uh, as I said, at the blog every day where we're breaking down everything that happens with this. Uh, team as frustrating or as exciting as they can be more information than you ever wanted to know and, and more than you absolutely need absolutely it's it's all uh, again you're making me wonder why we even do this bill <laughs> um, and, and so do the people listening oh, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> all right that's enough for one day for bill lack this is chad dotson saying so long everyone we're out <laughs>